We tell ourselves, our friends, and especially our kids this phrase so often, just be true to yourself. Yeah, we do. And today we want to introduce you to someone who has made a career of being true to himself. Ryan Good, the creative director of Drew House, which is one of the most influential brands in fashion and streetwear right now. He's also known as Justin Bieber's very first stylist. They actually called him. He was the first person to ever be called this swag coach. But I honestly think the top of his resume should be being best dressed in high school. We all wanted to be best dressed. So today we're going to talk about building a brand and really trusting your own instincts. And being the original that is you. This is In Good Faith. Hey, let me, can I frame it for a second? Of course, yeah, yeah. Just for right? Yeah, totally. I think the takeaway a lot of people might get from this conversation, if you feel comfortable, is like, how do you be yourself? And how do you, how do you trust who God's made you to be? Because you've been, you've been true to yourself all the way, you know? Yeah, you know what? I think it all starts with our kids selves and how we're dreaming. I think a lot of my insecurities as a kid caused me to just observe. When I was in elementary school, I had a lot of friends who was in a really comfortable place, played sports, moved to Jupiter Farms as a 12-year-old, and I had no friends. And I remember the first week of being in middle school in a new place, I was getting picked on a lot. And I didn't have the right backpack. And I didn't have the right clothes. Like I was wearing Nikes, right? Like I was wearing basketball shoes and everybody was like surfers, skateboarders. And I remember just getting absolutely destroyed and going home and crying, being like, I don't have any friends. So for the next few weeks, I was observing, trying to fit in. And I think that's a really exhausting thing for a kid Mm -hmm. to do. But I think what happens is you find your own lane once you become more comfortable. Honestly, Ryan, I think you are one of the most secure people I've ever met. The way you walk, the way you carry yourself, the way you handle yourself just speaks of security. But I actually think that you're secure enough to admit that there's insecurities that we all have to fight through and deal with. But how did you end up, what was your first job in the style world? How, what was the first step that you felt like was a significant step? My story started in Orlando detailing cars at night and going and working long hours as an unpaid intern after I had graduated college. I had, you know, no money for so long. And then I got a job as Usher's assistant randomly in Atlanta, drove to Atlanta, had never really been there and just started working, you know, day one on the road with Usher. And I was a terrible assistant. He'll tell you that. I crashed his car. Bro, you have to tell the motorcycle story. Are you allowed to? Please tell the motorcycle story. (laughs) It was the most traumatic thing, man. He lived up on a hill and I had to get his motorcycle, a Harley, down to get fixed. Down to the guy that was like picking it up because the trailer couldn't get up the driveway. And the thing just got out of control as I was going down. I almost crashed into a mailbox, like a brick mailbox going down the hill. Just trying. And I couldn't, I don't know why, like, the, I couldn't get the break. It was traumatic. I literally thought I was going to die. You know, you have a few of those moments. <laughs> Thankfully, nothing happened to me or the motorcycle. Like, I think I, got, I ended in grass and everything. But it was like, I just not the most logistical person in the world. I can get by just if I really focus, if I really go. My first day, we were in New York and he was releasing a fragrance. 
we were at the studio and they're going over a lot of stuff. And he's like, are you taking notes? And I was like, I, no, I got it. I, I'm remembering it all. He's like, no. Nah. You were like the server who does not write down an order. And, you know, I honestly can get by on that. Did you do a pretty good job remembering it? Of course. I remember everything. I have a yeah. photographic memory, but it's not the most like comforting thing. <laughs> also too, like, I think I was late to pick him up at the airport, which is a whole other deal. It was late at night, right? And it's like... <laughs> I remember TC, who it was his tour manager at the time. You guys might know Terrence, but has yep. been on the road with, with Justin and a bunch of other people we know. I pulled up to the airport and he puts his arm around me. He goes, yo, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm sorry. I was late. I'm so sorry. And of course, I was devastated because I am, you know me, I'm very punctual. Very timely. I'm extremely punctual. And we were on the way home in the car, just he and I. And I was just like, you know, I don't, there's a lot of things that just like, I'm not feeling great about working here. And then we were in the studio, just sitting there. And he's like, you should be a stylist. I had been kind of helping. He asked me to put together outfits for him. He's like, I just really like the way you dress. And I'm signing this kid from Canada. And he showed me a video of Justin singing in church. And, you know, nobody had ever heard of this kid. And I was like, I don't even know what that means, man. I moved back to Florida. I was just like, I don't know, detailing cars again for like six to eight months. And I was sitting on the beach in Florida drinking beers with my friend. And I texted Usher because he had another baby. And I was like, congrats. He said, and he, his reply was like, where are you? I said, I'm in Florida. I'm on the beach. <laughs> he said, I need you to come to Atlanta. And I said, for what? He goes, I'll tell you when you get here. And I just, I got in the car the next day, drove to Atlanta. I might've left that night, to be honest. Got there, walked in his kitchen. He's like, that kid I showed you, I signed him. I want you to meet him tomorrow. And that was Justin. And that was like the start of, yeah, styling, right? And I said, well, what do you mean styling? And it was really just like he said, you know, when you go shopping for yourself, just get the same thing in his sizes. I never knew that part of the story. I've never heard that part. Usher just told you, hey, when you go get clothes, just get them in his size. And I had no money and he gave me $1,000 cash to go shopping, right? And I was like, ooh, this is cool. Wow. So I went to all my favorite places and just bought clothes for Justin. And when he had his first show, he was doing like a teen night at a club in Atlanta. And he came up the stairs in like a, in a suit. It's probably pretty fire now. Like it was like just too big for him, not tailored at all. And he was going to go to a teen night in Atlanta and perform in like a suit because that's what he's used to wearing, performing in church. The only other places he'd had performed in church or busking in the steps. And I was like, no, dude, just go put those jeans on and like the Supras. I think I bought him some Supras and T-shirts. Like that's what you can perform in this. And he was like, okay. Yeah. And now, you know, I look to him for style advice now. You know? <laughs> right, right. We all do. <laughs> you know, whatever he wears becomes trend. You know what I think is really amazing in that story? Wow. Is that Usher saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself. And one of the things I've heard, I think it's from the Strengths Finders book, is that so often the things that we're good at, we don't realize we're good at them because they come so naturally to us. And it takes somebody from the outside to point them out and say, no, you're actually really good at this. But that here for you, it took Usher to say, no, Ryan, you're really good at style. You can do this. And here's a thousand bucks. Go for it. It really was an amazing thing he did for me. I think Justin would be thankful. I, I don't, you know, it really is an amazing turning point in everything. I owe everything to Usher, you know, honestly. 
And I want to say as one of your close friends, yeah, I think Usher in my heart and Justin's heart, your heart, Chelsea, like holds such a very special place. You know, it's awesome that we get this opportunity in this little podcast to let the world know that Usher was such a catalyst for some of my dearest and nearest friends. He is unbelievable. And his talent speaks for itself, but it's the other right. its the other stuff that people wouldn't know. Honestly, him as a mentor in my life, like a lot of people wouldn't know that. Can I ask you a really specific question? Because maybe Usher was the first person to go, bro, you're really good at this. But since then, you're very confident about it. You've never been one to be like, oh, what's the current trend? Let me go buy it. Um, That's never, never been you. Yeah, like the insecure junior high kid who changed his style to fit in, to go from that to a person who had the confidence to tell a rising star how to dress that was not the way everybody else was dressing, that was a very unique style. What happened inside of you to give you that confidence to say, nope, this is it. I know it's going to be great. Or maybe you didn't know. What happened inside? I think, you know, I got best dressed in high school. Of course you did. I was wearing like Air Force Ones, like jerseys backwards. What year did you graduate? Oh, two. Nice. Crisscross. Yeah, and so I kind of had a stamp of approval from all my peers. And of course, some people thought I looked like an idiot, right? But that's also something that you play on because you just like having that criticism actually drives us. You know, Judah, you wear some, like last weekend when we were at the golf tournament, you're wearing head to toe outfits, most of which I designed that I love, right? But it's, they're bold looks. And I know you thrive on that. I get energy from it. You get energy from people stopping, looking and, yo, what's Judah wearing? Because then you know, okay, I'm doing something different. And then you have a few people that are like, you look amazing, right? People like me that are like, you look cool. So (laughs) the people that don't necessarily know style or could care less, they're the ones that are always saying you look like an idiot. And then you got a few people that are like, man, you look cool, right? Or Justin Bieber telling you you look cool. Usher telling me, you know, I look cool. And it's like, so, so all these other people, like, you learn how to, like, swim above the noise, a lot of times those whispers, like my whisper to you being like, man, you look really cool, is so much louder than the 20 people that have no idea what they're talking about telling you you look stupid. And I think you're uncovering something that we all deal with every day. One of my old football coaches in high school used to say, why be the same when you can be different? Why blend in when you can stand out? And, and by the way, standing out doesn't mean you just stand out with your clothes. There's conduct. There's ways we go about things. I think we've all committed to this idea of true, deep, and consistent kindness and caring for humanity and loving people. And those kind of things can make you stand out. And I, I want to applaud you, Rai, because you encourage me every day. I certainly wouldn't be where I am without your provocative, intentional leadership as a friend, watching you just like be, well, this is me. This is what I like, and I'm going to enjoy this. I think there's such a takeaway because I, I love it, Rai, when you're talking about Judah's style, and Judah is fearless. He almost wants to wear something that somebody will give him a second look and a little bit of a make fun of for. That's when he feels like he's winning. When it comes to me with style, Good night. I do not want to stand out at all. I want to wear something simple and basic because that's not where I want to stand out. But where I am so comfortable and excited to stand out is thinking back about my junior high days and even gossiping mean girls and realizing 
I didn't want to be a part of that then. And thinking about that from junior high, even to now, when recently we were in a hotel room and the conversation just turned negative. And I literally just said, Hey, I, I, I don't want to do this and got up and walked out. And the scariness of the uncomfortability of being true to myself, of being different. And so it's not just in style that being different That's matters. Right. It is in all of the things in life, but having the courage to be true to ourselves is so important. And I think it's so easy to just come down to the level of the criticism. And okay, if people are saying this outfit isn't great, okay, I won't wear it anymore. Or if people are saying I should just be negative in my conversation, I'm going to be negative in my conversation. But what you said earlier was so interesting. You said the compliments and the whispers of the people who are closest to you can matter so much more than all of the noise of so many people who are trying to get you to be the same. And I just think that's so possible. We have to stop this moment and pause on that to realize that is such a significant factor in being able to be true to ourselves, to be different, is to have the people around us who actually know us and appreciate us and will speak life into who we really are. And I need to say too, talking again about those whispers you hear from people close to you, if you want to be who God's made you to be, the original that God made you to be, like don't just take friendships as they come. Be very intentional and careful about the friends you allow in your life. I think as a pastor, both Chelsea and I were like, well, I guess we just gotta be friends with everybody. And once they're in our life, they're in our life for good. But I think Ryan, over the course of like the, I don't know, maybe 11, 12 years now that we've known each other, you have been a voice of wisdom at times going, hey, you need to be protective of the voices you allow in the deepest parts of your soul. I think it's very unpopular at times to take inventory of your friends and ask yourself hard questions. Are these friends with me? Are they going in the same direction that I'm going? Or is this... uh, unproductive connection and friendship and relationship. And I I do want to applaud you. You are very courageous in that regard with your friends and you're very candid and honest with your friends. And it certainly helped uh, a couple of pastors like Chelsea and I. Well, I think it goes to, you know, being also led by our, I guess instinct is the best word, right? So Mm -hmm. like what goes from fashion into then me having a confidence now to speak out. I have confidence to wear what I think is cool and then people latch on. Perhaps this is also in everything else too, right? There's a little bit of, you know, having vision or being able to see a few steps ahead. Wow, this group of people are kind of moving in a weird direction. I feel that way. I'm going to speak out on it. I'm going to try to figure out if this is right. And, you know, sometimes you're wrong. And and having good friends like you to correct and be like, no, I think you might be seeing it a little bit differently. And it's interesting, you know, in a place like where I grew up, same with you, small town, People with the smallest, in the smallest spaces, in the smallest worlds have the largest opinions. And then I think as you open your eyes and open your mind to such a bigger world, I think traveling, experiencing other cultures, things like that, then you have a much larger perspective, smaller opinion. And it's so funny, right? Because I always said that the smaller your territory, the larger your opinions become because you become more so comfortable and you know what you know, because there's really not a lot to know. But as you step out in the world, you know, you don't know anything. I don't have anything figured out. And like, you know, I was in France a couple of weeks ago and I can't speak the language, right? And so I know I know nothing. I can't even communicate properly. I know nowhere to go. I don't know where to eat. I don't know anything. And so I want to be that kind of person to where I can admit that I know absolutely nothing. 
like it goes to even my relationship with God, right? Like a lot of yep. people think they have God figured out. <laughs> <laughs> they know, man, we know nothing about nothing. him. It's so funny, Rise, you're talking. I remember us, Judah, as 20-year-old youth pastors, pastoring teenagers, thinking that we knew everything. I mean, telling students what to do oh, and what not to do, man. thinking that we knew so much because- We really did. Our world was small and our perspective was small. And I know this is a random Bible story to take it back to, but I can't help but think about the time when Abraham was getting pretty small-minded in what he believed God was telling him to do. And God's advice to Abraham was literally get out of your tent and count the stars. And, you know, can you imagine in the Arabian desert sky, how many stars there would have been? They would have been brilliant and big. And God literally took Abraham out of his small confined place and into a perspective where he needed to see bigger. And I think it's human nature for all of us, for our lives to want to get smaller and smaller because it's more and more comfortable, the smaller we can get. But I do believe living a life of following Jesus, he leads us into a life that is bigger and bigger and outside of our tent and outside of our comfort zones. And it's so important for us to follow that leading to get bigger. And when we find ourselves opinionated, realizing, okay, maybe my life is small. Maybe I need to get out. Yeah. And real quick, it leads into being able to be comfortable in what would look like uncomfortable. It's like you wearing an Mm. outfit that people would say is weird. And you're comfortable, not only comfortable, but you're thriving in that, right? And so Enjoying that's what it, it is. That's, it's just being able to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. One of my favorite Ryan Goodisms, which is a new thing I'm just <laughs> coining right now. A Ryan Goodism is the smaller your world, the bigger your opinion. Mm. The bigger your world, the smaller your opinion. It's literally one of my favorite things you've ever said to me. Yeah, and it doesn't always have to be moving to a bigger city or working for a bigger company or doing a bigger job. There's so many ways I think that we can expand. Maybe it's meeting a neighbor, making sure that we have friends who have different opinions and persuasions that we have. It can be very simple and practical in how we can expand our world. I think it really boils down to our perspective of God. If we think we have God figured out and we know everything about God, then we have like some false confidence to them think that we have everything figured out in life. And then also too, I think if we can just compare ourselves to God, we realize like as a designer, I can never take myself seriously. I can never think I'm an amazing designer when I'm comparing myself to the God who designed the universe. I'm looking out my (laughs) window right now and there is billions of designs that have organically sprung up over the past Adam, you know, just flower. Think about flower, right? What? Like, I can, I don't know how you would get that design to actually naturally occur. So, like, how could we ever walk around with a perspective like, I got everything figured out? I could just walk out into my yard and know that I know nothing. It's a freeing feeling, to be honest. I think it's yes. exhausting to think that you have the answers to everything and you got to tell everybody those. And maybe. Maybe, and I'm getting super excited here, but maybe we've uncovered a big secret to Drew House, and maybe we've uncovered a big secret to the designs of Rye Good. Our theology informs us. Based on the Hebrew scriptures we read, based on the Greek scriptures and some of the Aramaic writings, we are convinced that we really don't know anything in comparison to God. We really don't know how this all works. And so 
I think all of the naysayers and people that say, I don't like your designs. I don't like your silhouette. I don't like, you know, we actually know because of our theology, those people don't know what they're talking about. They actually don't know what they're talking about because we know that we really don't know what we're talking about. So you might as well do what gives you energy and what gives you a sense of doing what you were made to do. And people are like, no, it's not cool. You're like, that's all right, because you know as much as I do, which is basically not a lot at all. So we might as well be who we are and be an original. And I must admit, this is a bridge to telling the story of the first time I met you, which you knew this, this moment was coming. And I'm so excited to tell this story. And I'll preface this by saying, that this is how I knew, and and Ryan knows this is true. I've always said I knew we'd be friends after this moment. So I got a call from Patty Millette, Justin Bieber's incredible mother. I'm in an airport, actually, and someone in our office called and said, hey, have you heard of the name Justin Bieber? And I had, because I think he had been on Ellen. And I said, yeah, yeah, what's up? Well, he heard you speak years ago, and his mom wants to know if she can call you. So Patty gets on the phone. She goes, my son's going to be in Everett. Would you be willing to come? And I, I'll never forget, Patty did say this. She's like, will you be his like spiritual mentor? And I was like, whoa, that is a tall ask like on our first phone call. But true to Patty, right? That was Patty. She's just like straight to it. So we show up in Everett. Now, keep in mind, I have no idea that there's a history here of pastors kind of coming through the tour trying to connect with what we all knew would be a global superstar. The moment you met Justin, it's like, Wow, this is a special human being. 14, 15 at this point. Yeah, I think he's 14, 15 years old. Was this like 2010? It would have been the My World Tour. He was probably 15 or 16. Something like that. So Patty starts taking me around, right? There's tour buses and stuff, and I'm meeting the crew. And in there, I met Scooter Braun, and I hadn't even met Justin yet. And all of a sudden, she goes, Ryan, Ryan. She's yelling across like the parking lot. Do you remember this? Yeah, absolutely. I think I was going onto the bus or coming off the bus. Yeah, and you're in blue blockers. Yeah. Like, got these big blue blockers on. And Ryan's, if you know Ryan, he's got the best head of hair we've ever seen. I take hair pills, anything to try to get my hair to stay as, as beautiful and flowy as Ryan. So his hair is out. It's beautiful. He's got these big blue blockers on. And immediately I'm like, wow, this guy's cool. And I really did think that. That's not, no exaggeration. That's kind. Well, it's true. And so I'm walking over and Patty goes, Ryan, Ryan. And she knew that you had, you know, you grew up, you know, believing in God and yeah. faith. And so she's thinking, hey, let me introduce you to this pastor guy. So I walk over and she's like, Ryan, Ryan, this is Pastor Judah. Like he's here to meet. And I, I hold out my hand. This is a true story. I hold out my hand for a handshake. And Ryan looks at me through these blue blockers and he's like, all right, yeah, what's up, man? And never extends a hand and then just kind of goes, cool. And just walks away. And I kind of took my hand back, put it in my pocket. Do not feel sorry for me, listeners, because at that point I knew, I was like, dude, I like this guy and this guy's going to be my friend. So rude, man. No, no. I think you felt about pastors even the way at that point I felt about pastors. And pastors sometimes can be just as creepy as anybody else. I think that's kind of, I probably would have handled that situation differently nowadays, for sure. But I think a week later, we are somewhere... And you texted me, which I still don't know how you got my number. I don't remember <laughs> either, actually. But you texted me just checking in, seeing how you're doing. And to be quite honest, I was exhausted. We were on a run. And even that day, right? Like that would have been probably, I don't know, 30 shows in in two months, right? Jeez. And we were all over the country. And I was with Justin somewhere. And I go, that guy, Judah, he's kind of, he's a good dude, huh? And he goes, yeah, he's a good dude. And I think I texted you back. And then thankfully, you were receptive of 
my shortcomings. I don't see it like that at all. I, I see it you. I think it's one of the reasons, you know, I was excited to have the kind of conversation we're having today because from the moment I met you, you were an original. You were like, man, I'm going to be who I am. And at the time, if we're being really honest, you were burned a little bit by some characters like me who had been coming through tour and looking for an opportunity to, yeah. you know, get a moment in the sun. And you were protective of Justin, as you should be and still are. But I actually, it gave me an affinity for you almost immediately. And then over time, what's developed is, I think, a really authentic friendship. So I love the story. I do like saying Rye Good was unwilling to shake my hand the day I first <laughs> You know, I, like my pet peeve sometimes is when you don't, like walking in a church and everybody's like, yo, so good to see you. And so over the top of things, I'm like, like, I don't get that excited when I see my mom. <laughs> right? Like, and I haven't seen her in so long. It's so good to see you. Like, let's just be like, hey, what's up? You know, like, let's just be a little bit more authentic. Listen, you don't even know this story, but this is so funny because we were all over at our friend's house recently and Rye was coming back from a trip and I hadn't seen you in like two weeks. And our friends will tell you, I was like waiting for when you got to the door, I was going to hug you before you said, we don't need to do all that, guys, because I knew it was coming. Because again, it's your personality. We're talking about being original and being who you are. And then, of course, me, I have to hug everyone and feel like I'm connected. So. I come down the hallway. I hug Ryan like as tight as I can. He's like, oh, man, all right. Well, you know, good to see you, bro. And I'm like, oh, I love you, you know. And then we get into the main room and you're like, all right, man. Hi to everybody. I get it. We all love each other. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's who you are. And I, I honestly think Chelsea, when I saw Chelsea, right, because I think her and I are very similar in this. Yeah. We don't need the whole production. It's like happy birthday. It's the worst song in the world. Nobody likes Here we it. Go. This is another Ryan Goodism. It really is. Think about this. It's the same thing as I like greeting people. We sing it at every birthday, but nobody likes it being sung to them and nobody likes singing it. Why are we doing <laughs> it? It's the most uncomfortable thing. I was on a Southwest flight when we were going to Vegas the other day for a golf tournament and everybody's ready to get off this plane. And somebody says, oh, what are you here in Vegas for? Like in the row behind me. And I'm like, here we go. Oh, it's my birthday. <laughs> and the woman goes, Oh, it's your birthday? Oh my gosh, we got to sing happy birthday. So then you have like about 35% participation on the plane, half committed to singing this song to this person <laughs> so that they awkward. don't know. It's the worst, man. So it's the same thing as you walk into a room, you got to say hi to everybody. I don't like to do that. I'd rather just slowly get into the mix. What I admire about you and this incredible woman I married is that I would struggle with having to feel like I got to say hi to everybody and uh, project like the Jimmy Fallon energy, you know, late night Jimmy Fallon energy to everyone. Oh my God, how are you? Good to see you. You know, it's like, that's not real life. It's not real life. I know, I get tired for you, babe. It's like in golf, man. One of my pet peeves playing with you is like, as soon as you hit a shot, right? Like as a golfer, you know where it's going. But the other people don't know because you can feel the club face. You can feel if I hit it off the heel, it's going to start left and look good and it's going to turn right dramatically. And Judah is such an optimist and he's such like a kind person. Like the worst shot in the world, it starts out looking good and he's an early caller. He'll be like, oh, great shot. Here we go. And then it dives into the woods. <laughs> I'm like, dude, just say nothing. We don't got to say anything. But it's why you and I were able to get to a place in a friendship where I felt comfortable because you were so kind. You made me feel good. Like every time I leave a room with both of you guys, first of all, I'm just grateful to be in a room with you guys. And then you pour, spend so much time encouraging people. I literally feel like I can fly. I'm going to hang up from this. You've literally been doing nothing but encourage me this whole time, right? I'm going to hang up and I'm going to have the greatest day because of spending this time with you guys. And it's my pet peeve on the golf course, but in life, 
<laughs> I think it's why, you know, our friendship is is so strong. We, we were playing with a perfect stranger. I mean, we had just met him in Vegas last week and he hit this great putt. And I hadn't seen him hit a lot of good putts. And, it, and he hit a great putt. It was going right at the hole. And I was like, bro, nice. And it lipped out. And he goes, he looks up. He's like, bro. And I was like, oh, man, I did it again. I did it again. Every shot. Even with the putt. Every time somebody does uh, anything. Bro, that's uh, amazing. But I'd much rather be like that than to be somebody who's just awful to be around and they critique and they just rip you down everything. You know what I mean? I just hit an amazing 300-yard drive down the middle with a tiny draw. Ah, you hit it off the toe. <laughs> First of all, most people have no idea what you just said. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good shot. 300 it's yards. off the toe. Hit it right? off the toe. Yeah. Yep. It's like our self-talk, right? I'd much rather talk to myself the way you talk to me than the way I talk to myself typically. And I think that's what we all struggle with, right? Like how we speak to our friends, how encouraging we are to our friends. We should be that same way to ourselves, but we're all like, oh, I should have worked out. I should have eaten better. I skipped the workout today. I can't believe I didn't do this today. Where other people would be like, oh, you look great. Like, have you been eating healthy? Have you been working out? Also like, man, you're so fun to be around. Like we got to self-talk ourselves a little bit. And I think you're such a great example of how I want to talk to myself. Thank you for saying that. And I think, a reoccurring theme today in our conversation really is the friends that you choose. And I think sometimes we fail to realize that you you can choose friends. You know, you have the freedom to do that, the God-given freedom to do that. And I am grateful for the friendship that we have and, and that continues to grow and develop. The beauty of having friends who are different than who we are yes. is so incredible. Oh. And we all need that in the world. And Rye, you've been that for us in so many ways and along our journey. And we're so grateful for you. So grateful for this time together. Uh, anything else that you Bro. feel compelled to say before we sign off here? Yeah, I would just want to say thank you guys for being an example of being courageous and going where you feel God is calling you. You give me confidence. You give a lot of our friends confidence to be bold and, and knowing that maybe we are called to go in directions that people aren't going and in loving people and enjoy our life as well. Like yep. also too yeah. to keep our cups full so that we can help others. Thank you for saying that, Rye. We, we love you. You've changed our life. You are a hero to my children. And that's about the highest compliment I can pay to anyone at this point. I'm so thankful that your kids think I'm cool. I don't believe it, right? Because I think all your kids are so cool. I could care less what adults think about me, right? Right. If teenagers think you're lame... Man. You are. You are. <laughs> well, on that note, let's just leave it there. Rye, thank you so much for this time together. It's really so meaningful. Our admiration for you just grows and grows. And grateful that other people get to hear what we have known for so long about you. That you are more than a cool guy. There is so much depth and wisdom to everything that you do. Being so grateful. original. Grateful. Love you, man. I love you, you guys, too. I'm grateful for you. So thank you for being my friend. This has been a presentation of OBB Sound, SB Projects, and Cadence 13. Executive produced by Chelsea Smith, Judah Smith, Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Elias Tanner, Scooter Braun, Scott Manson, James Shin, and Chris Corcoran. Produced by Grace Delia. Co-produced by Kyle Venuya of SB Projects. Produced by Lauren Lagrasso and Serena Reagan of Cadence 13. Edited, mixed, and mastered by Adam Masias. Original composition by Colin Gilliard. Production support from Rachel Cruz. OBB Sound is an OBB media company. Cadence 13 is an Odyssey company.